Imagine what it'd be like if we were really curious about each other. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Relational Spirituality, the weekly podcast of LargerStory.com, the podcast that sees all relationships as spiritual and all spiritual formation as relational. Now, here's your host for this week, Kep Crab. Hi, everyone, and Happy New Year from all of us at Larger Story to you. I trust you all survived the holiday season and are ready to tackle 2024. Wow. Due to the hustle and bustle of the holiday season, we wanted to make sure that you were all aware of Larger Story's upcoming event at the end of this month. On January 26th and 27th, we will be in Jackson, Tennessee at Fellowship Bible Church doing a short weekend conference titled Not Myself by Myself, an introduction and an invitation to relational discipleship. So please go to Larger Story today and register if that's something you're interested in. We also want to let you know that if your church is interested in exploring the opportunity of Larger Story coming to your area, please feel free to reach out to me at hello at largerstory.com. Again, hello at largerstory.com. I'd love to chat with you about what we're doing and perhaps answer any questions you may have about the weekend conferences and different partnering opportunities we have with Larger Story. So without any further ado, again, here's the conversation that we had with our speakers of the upcoming weekend conference in Jackson, Tennessee on January 26th and 27th. We hope to see you there. Have a great day. Welcome, everyone, to Relational Spirituality, a podcast of Larger Story. I'm your host, Kep Crab. This upcoming January of 2024, on January 26th and 27th, Larger Story is going to be at Fellowship Bible Church in Jackson, Tennessee, and we'll be doing our first conference event since Dad passed away, and we honored him with the Larger Story Summit in 2022, last year. So we're calling this conference Not Myself, By Myself, an introduction and invitation to relational discipleship. It's designed to encourage and invite cross-generational relationships and discipleships. What does it look like and how do we pour into others in the same way that we have been poured into and continue to be poured into? I'm joined today by two good friends and colleagues who are going to be speaking at this conference in January, Kent Denlinger and Duncan Sprague. Good to see you guys, and thanks for joining me today, guys. Thank you much. Yeah. So I guess it's not too it's not too late now to say Merry Christmas. I'm allowed to say that at this point here because we're after Thanksgiving, actually December 1st. So Merry Christmas, you guys. Thank you. And to you as well. Thank you. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about this this weekend that we're going to be doing in January. It's been in the works for a little bit and we're getting excited about this. I hope that some of you people watching our podcast today can even come there in person. We'd love to see you in the, the Jackson, Tennessee area. It's outside of Memphis. But Let's talk a little bit about what this weekend is going to look like. Both you guys are going to be doing the majority of the talking. Kent, talk a little bit about what you're going to be talking about this weekend and why you think it's important. Let's start with the uh, title. Eugene Peterson said in a book, um, talking about community, he said, I am not myself by myself. And that's really true. I think most of us probably could look back across our life, whether we've recognized it or not, and realize how we've been impacted by others, maybe from a distance at times, maybe on occasion. But in my life, at least the reason I got excited about this is because when I look back over my life, I realized that God used specifically really three, four, five individuals, probably two or three really deeply to impact me. I wouldn't be who I am apart from that. That's also true with a group of friends. 
and I realized that's then what I do. That's what I love to do is pour myself into younger guys. And so when I think about this, and I've wondered if this is part of almost like a uh, missing joy in the church. Uh, I, I wonder too, if older people are scared of the younger people and the new generation and younger people don't know how to ask for help. And maybe they're scared of the older people. And because of that, there's a gap between the two and uh, we're missing something. And it seems to me like what we're missing is the, the opportunity to relate to people older, younger, same age in ways that could be really meaningful and shape who we are. And our culture just really elevates individualism in a way that I think is incredibly detrimental. Mm, yeah. One of the things that brings the three of us certainly in common is the fact that I think I can speak for both of you guys and certainly myself as one of the people who has had the most impact on me has been my father. And I know that's probably true of both you guys as well. And I can name a handful of people too, but there's not many people that dad considered his kids outside of his kids. But I think you guys were, were two of those. And Dunk, you spent a lot of time with dad over the years. Talk about what you're, what you're thinking about with this weekend in January. I just came across a verse in 1 Corinthians that really highlighted some of what I think we'll be sharing about. It's right in the context of Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and he's they're fighting over their allegiance to Apollos or Cephas or himself. And one of the things he says in there, and this is in chapter 4, the very end of it, he just says, for though you have countless guides in Christ, and I think about that, all the countless guides I've had, the teachers, the lecturers, the people have come across. He says, so you've had countless ones. And I go, yeah, that's me too. Literally over the years, the number of classes, the number of books I've read, I've had lots of guides. But then he goes on and he says, you do not have many fathers, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. And I just, I love that because Paul had a certain confidence as he's writing to these folks that he helped plant a church with. And I think in terms of the different ministries Larry's done over the last number of years, especially SSDs, Kent was significantly involved in those. We went to a handful of them. I oftentimes take credit for SSD zero because um, all the SSDs got numbered. But this was the one that he did um, as a weekly basis in a church with just a handful of us. And it, all it did was it taught him what not to do in the end. And what I love about it is that he fathered in me in not just his great successes, the, but also in the, when he saw something didn't work, he abandoned it quickly. He didn't stick with it. There was ways that he fathered me, just like this text talks about, that only happened by spending time with him. Yeah. That's so big. And just to clarify, the SSD stands for the School of Spiritual yeah. Direction. And Dunk, if you went to School Zero, and Kent, you were involved in a number of schools as the UN Carleisure as spiritual directors. And I think we did 78 schools is what we, we ended up finally doing over that 20-year period of time or so, whatever it was, something in that range. And I know that Dad felt just very privileged to be a part of that and to see what was happening. And I was actually chatting about somebody today with, with someone today about the SSD and how they still 15, 15 years later still are in touch with their triads and, and keep connection with that relationship, which is really cool. So Kent, talk about a little bit about that time 
in the SSD, what that's, we've talked about this a little bit before, but I actually talked about this a little bit with, with Trip Moore and having been through so many of those things, what was it like sitting in on all those SSDs and in, 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 in the day? <laughs> it was a privilege and there's nothing like repetition. The more you hear something, I don't think there was a school that I went to that I wasn't provoked. <laughs> I don't care how many you went to. It was a sacred space, like nothing else I've ever really been to. And it feels like God always was doing something, meeting people. I can, I know a, a personal friend of mine went to it and he would, he'd be an engineer type and not the type that you would think would talk about dreams. And yet mm -hmm. it was at the school that he encountered God in a dream. And I think he'd probably say, I'm not sure I've ever had another dream that I've encountered God in. So I, I think, I think it was just always shaping just Larry was always rethinking. And again, no matter how many times you hear it, the spirit of God has new eyes for you to see something about yourself. And which is one of the beauties of what God does. You know how it is. You can read a, a text for 20, 20 years, and then suddenly you read it and you, you see something or you see it in a way you've never seen it before. And, <laughs> and that's what the school did. And it created such categories, such ways of thinking about the story that God is telling. And it, your dad, I, I used to get on your dad because he'd say, I'm not a, I'm not a theologian. And I'd say, yes, you are. Yes, you are. The scriptures like nobody I've ever known. And you bring your life to it. And because of that, you're truly a theologian. And I, I know what he was trying to say, but uh, yeah. it, it was such, it was so grounded. His model and yeah. theory was so grounded in the scriptures. And so it just, I think that's part of what just created space for the spirit of God to move. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I've had several conversations in the last several days about what dad has meant to people. And, and it just makes me miss him all the more. I don't want to start crying now in the middle of this podcast, but I just miss that guy every day and just what he really was about. I, I, I remember talking with Tripp about his time at the SSD. And he said the first time he heard the, the seven questions, he thought, oh, that's neat. And by about the 200 yeah. or whatever, it was him. Yeah. It was in him. It was part of him. It became who he was. And one of the things that we've had a chat and I've talked with both you guys about this is how can we offer what, what dad was really trying to do with the SSDs to different organizations and churches today. And one of the, the dreams of mine, and I know of Kent's as well, and Dunk, I think you too, is, is how can we take what we have learned from the SSDs, the schools of spiritual direction, and offer those back to the communities of people that where they're doing life together. Mm. And that's one of the intents of this first conference. It's not going to be an SSD. It's right. just going to be a two-day conference on the 26th and 27th, the evening, Friday evening, the 26th, and then the, the morning through lunch of the 27th. So it's not going to be like an SSD, but I think it's going to set the groundwork mm. for some of those kind of relational connections and, and opportunities that I'm really hoping that that's what happens out of this weekend that uh, we get a chance to go to. What are some of the things you guys hope happens this weekend when we go to uh, to Jackson, Tennessee to to talk about relationships and discipleship? Let me just back up just for a minute because I want to yeah. going back to the SSDs, School of Spiritual Directions. I, I would just say part because it fits what we're what we want to be about here in Jackson, yeah. and that's that part of the beauty of the schools for Carl and I was the time that we would interact with Larry outside of classroom, outside of the structure. And we were, we were meeting with people and we're talking through that. And one very specific example one time is Larry and I were just chatting. It seemed like a normal conversation about the day. And I was talking to, through a struggle of meeting with people. And 
Larry looked at me and he said a sentence I've never forgotten. He said, Kent, the difference between you and me is not giftedness. It's not knowledge, which I would argue both of those. But he said, the real difference is I'm more comfortable in the mess than you are. Mm -hmm. And that sentence just pierced me. And I thought, Mm -hmm. that's really true. And that's, it's just, there's an example of what we want this conference to be about is, is to help us realize that those kind of conversations and those kind of interactions come out of normal events, normal stuff going on. But then God gives me or you a moment of wisdom. And we say something that, that the spirit embeds in the heart of another person. Mm -hmm. And so I, I really want that weekend to, to cat, what's the word? To, to create a vision maybe for that your life, you might feel like you're at the end of your life, but you could listen to another young person or middle-aged person. You could interact with them in a way in which God could use just a sentence. There's so mm-hmm. much joy in that. And I again, I think it's, I want to in, incite people's hunger for a joy that I think we're meant to experience in community as we connect our lives to other people and share our stories. Yeah, and talk about what God's doing in our hearts and listen hard for what God's doing in another person. I love what you say about the mess. Yeah. And and dad's whole attitude of the mess. I ran across, we've been chatting with some people and, I, and we ran across a, qu- a quote of dad's. You guys may remember this, but the quote was propositional truth unbloodied by relationship huh. leaves you. I can't remember what the, the final piece was, but leaves you arrogant or puffed up mm-hmm. or, or whatever it is. And so how do you dive into that mess with, with an attitude of I'm in it, I'm in yeah. it with you. Yeah. And it's just the, the way that dad really made me feel, I think made us feel is he, he was so for us. Yeah. Such a vision for us. Dunk, what are some of the things you hope to see happen? At I have week? a couple thoughts that just jump out from what Kent just said. One was it really comes out of First Thessalonians 2.8, where Paul says, I love you so much that I gave you not only the gospel, but my very life. And it's that <laughs> I've often wanted to say, probably in the original Greek, it says, my very messy life. <laughs> I wanted to give you the gospel that is only lived out um, in a messy life. Um, I don't know a, a Bible that it's that is unmessy. I've oftentimes, I've held my Bible up and I've gone, here's where it works. Here's where it works right here at the beginning and right here at the last couple chapters. Everything else in the middle is just a bloody mess. <laughs> and it's one where we get to live in the middle. Your dad was stole the line from your grandfather. The Bible or the gospel is a love story that begins with a divorce. Yeah. And it's that middle of the animosity, the enmity that's built between man and woman, man and himself, man and nature. That's the real challenge of being a a disciple. And oftentimes we can have good theology. This is where I think I love what Kent just said is, Larry was a theologian. He was always thinking the theologos, God thoughts, God thinking. He was always thinking about God, but even the seven questions were they're theological questions, but rather than throwing them in the theological categories, so one of those questions is, what went wrong? And we have a whole theological category of homardiology. So we make it sound scholastic and important to confuse people, but he would just say, no, it's relational sin. It's the fact that I got so self-absorbed with the fall 
that there's been a real problem that's been created. That's some of what we're going to be moving into, I think, in this weekend is going, we're in a sense, we're always asking those seven questions. And Larry would oftentimes preface them with, there are a lot of questions that God didn't answer, but there are a few that he did. And so when he answers those, that's, those should be the ones that we lean forward in our chair going, if God answered this, it seems like it is really important. Yes. And one of those is what went wrong, but also what is God doing about it right now? And he's provided his spirit who dwells in us for the sake of others. And so that was some of Larry's core thinking is that God lives in me to get into you, that what God, what you need most, God has already put in me as part of this movement of God, but I can get in the way of that. Your sin can get in the way of that, your relational sin. So part of it is taking a deeper dive to say, what's gone wrong, but what has God done? What are the provisions that are, that he's made available? And the number one, and this is what I loved about Larry, he would drop some of the theological terms. So rather than a systematic theology or a covenant theology or whatever, he would say, no, it's a relational theology. He would tag the word relational in front of it. And so we, in good form, have done the same. And we've called this an introduction and an invitation to relational discipleship. Because so many times we get lost in discipleship as a course, as a number of disciplines and strategies that we implement. And we lose the fact that discipleship, when Jesus did it, he came to put his Father on display the very nature of his own discipleship from the Father, that may seem strange to say it that way, but it was to put God on display by coming and living incarnate in this world, in relationship with, with a handful. That's really what we want to cap on while we're there, is talking in the ways that discipleship has gotten shut down in our own culture, because we tend to move the generations away from one another. We split off the youth, we split off the adults, we split off the elderly, and we say that their own needs, and yet Jesus oftentimes said, no, this is where your life on life happens, where you share the gospel and your messy lives is when someone like Larry, a number of steps down the road from us, would come and launch us as young men, and now we as older men now are doing the same. Yeah. I want to piggyback on what Duncan's saying, which you just said so well, Duncan, you just got a great gift with words. We're trying to enliven or re-energize the whole idea of the priesthood of believers here. That's right. There are, Larry said this often, there are no experts in matters of the soul. That's right. I don't care how many degrees you have, how much training you have. I used to stand up front in church year after year and tell people, you know what I feel when people come into my office? The same thing you feel. I don't have a clue what to do. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't know where this needs to go. But the Spirit of God does, and the Spirit of God is in us. He's in me, and he's in you, and he's in the person, hopefully, that I'm having breakfast with. And what does it mean to really believe that the Spirit can give us moments of wisdom, can give us the right question to ask, and that emphasis on questions feels so important. We want to, at this conference, remind us that part of this relational discipleship thing is being a genuinely curious person about another person's soul. Mm -hmm. I want to be a friend to another person's soul. 
I don't know what's going on, but I sure can care. I can ask questions that are coming out of whatever the person's talking about and hope mm -hmm. that somehow the spirit of God is here. He's doing something that I may not be able to see, but believe that this time really matters, that spending time with another person with some intentionality really matters. I tell you a story from years ago when I first started counseling, I was 25, 26 years old. And I sat with a woman for a year and I asked her, she told me, came in one day and said she had to leave. I said, let's have one more meeting. <laughs> came back and I said, what's been helpful to you about this time? And I was, I, seriously, I was looking for a pat on the back. I wanted her to say, hey man, this you gave me this thought and this wisdom. And I'll never forget this. She sat forward in her chair and she looked at me and she said, you're the first man who's ever sat across from me, looked me in the eyes and listened. Mm. And I was disappointed. <laughs> and then it dawned on me, no, mm. that's what we can do for each other. Yeah. Presence matters. God with us, Emmanuel. God always promised his presence. And I can be present with another person. That requires some death to myself but I can be present and so can you. And the ordinary person, which we all are, mm -hmm. can be present to another person in a way that the spirit of God can empower. And that's what we really wanna recapture. I love the thought of the ordinary man because that's just how I feel. But I, I've always loved to think, and I've talked with both you guys about this a bit, but the same Holy Spirit that dwelt in my father dwells in us and we have the same opportunity. Uh, for that kind of impact because dad would be the first to tell you it wasn't him yeah. he's not he can't do anything he's just a, a vessel he's a tool yeah but you guys just hearing you talk it's getting me so excited about this weekend and some people are probably asking what are these seven questions that they keep talking about we're going to be diving into that in 2024 as well um talking about the seven questions of spiritual theology and going through some of that in the podcast session so we hope that you continue to join in with us but before we wrap up, guys, is there anything that you want to say to the uh, people who are listening today? I'd just say I'm so excited to uh, to have this opportunity. Larry, I remember the last number of years, he was there was lots of talk of what is his legacy. He had this reoccurring dream that he would talk about this nightmare. Actually, it was what it was. He we, he would dream about he's put his hand in the water. And he would see a displaced a displacement while his hand was in the water, and he could see ripples going out. But there was always this fear when he pull it out, the ripples stopped. And it was like, as long as I'm present, there's a there's an effect going on. But when I pull out, when I pull my hand out of the water, I no longer have an influence. And what I love right now is that as we sit here, we're three ripples <laughs> of a man's influence on us. And he, in, in like mind, goes back to uh, other men, fathers of his own soul. And that's, I think, the piece that I am so excited about people catching a vision for, mm -hmm. catching a vision for a relational revolution that... God really wants to transform his body, not by more slick services, not more by, I'm all for a great service where worship is going on. But I remember I, just this last weekend, I spent uh, time with a 95-year-old mentor of mine who is still sharp as a tack. And one of the things that grieved him, he says, we, we now have a church that loves to worship, but doesn't know much about 
reverence. We don't tremble much. And I, he was the one who years ago taught me the very beginning of Isaiah 66, where God is rebuking Israel, saying, where is the, where's the house that you can build for me? Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. I don't esteem the one that is going to do all these great things for me. But then he gives us a hint. But the one that I esteem is the one who is humble, who is contrite, which is another word for sorrows, and who trembles at my word. And I hope that this is an opportunity for us to learn what it means to tremble and trust a God in a world where uh, the world we live in right now is more messed up than I've ever been aware of. And yet in the middle of that, God has made it possible for us to trust Him, not without the absence of fear, but movement in the presence of fear. And that is, I think, what I'm most excited about is actually being able to look at God's provision, not just being overwhelmed by the world's mess, but even more so being overwhelmed by a God who is incomprehensible in His goodness, in His kindness. So that's, I'm thrilled for an opportunity to uh, to to see a new way of living and relating that we were actually discipled in. My mind goes to a phrase in Jeremiah 2 where it's profoundly sad to me, where the Lord basically says that those who pursued worthless things or worthlessness became worthless. Mm. And I'm afraid that a lot of what we're pursuing in, in our lives, even as Christians, is leaving us as shallow people. And I think we long for more purpose. It's the difference that your dad would say between living between our birth and our death and living between the cross and his coming with purpose. And I I think this idea that we're trying to espouse, I don't know how well we'll do it, but at least you get a a feel and a passion for what we long to see. Could we recapture a purpose to our lives that really matters? And when I look back over what I experienced from people like your dad and a couple others, two words come to mind. I felt enjoyed and I felt believed in. And I, at least as a young man, I, I, it was the first time I felt believed in by anybody. And I think we can offer that to younger people who feel the same void in their lives of, does anybody really like me, enjoy me? Do I have anything? And is it possible that I, I, I could be part of something bigger than myself and what I'm chasing? Mm. Because I don't want to be worthless. <laughs> I don't want to have a worthless life. And I want to invite people to to capture a, a vision again, or where they could um, join the purposes of the kingdom in pouring their life into another. I am, um, Dunk already said this, but man, I've been reading through First Thessalonians as well. So as soon as you pointed out those verses, I thought that, that was Paul's joy. Yeah. Man, what's my joy? What's my crown? It's, it's you, it's people. What do we, what will we have to show for in eternity? I think it's number one, it's going to be the people that we pour our lives into. Wow. And so we're, we're taking this time to try and call to all of us to say, hey, let's get our priorities you know, going in the right direction. And, and it's about people and that whole relational thing that we, it's not just a word to us. It's a way of life. You guys have gotten me excited for this weekend in January and just really appreciate both of you and your willingness to continue to move in the direction that dad has taught all of us to move in. And that's just to continue to put Jesus on display by how we relate. Yeah. And how are we presenting Jesus to others by who we are today? I love what you just said is, what do you take? 
when you're gone. And what do you leave is some of the things I've thought about as well. But just really excited for this weekend, guys. I just want to thank you for joining us again, folks. It's going to be in Jackson, Tennessee at Fellowship Bible Church on January 26th and 27th. Be looking for promotional emails from Larger Story for that. And if you like what you heard today, please click the like button. Tell your friends about it. Maybe they can come join uh, and get a chance to participate in relational spirituality. Have hey, a great I'd add one more thing if it's still yeah. recording. I just, if you're an SSD alumnus, let's have a reunion. Oh, yeah. so Amen. In a two hour to eight hour driving range, come on down and join us, man. <laughs> we, we can do something on virtually too. We can plug in 20 or 30 people on a, yeah. on a webinar if we want to have some conversation too. That'd be fun. But you guys have made me excited about the SSD again and thinking through that. And, and um, so a, a lot of things happening here at Larger Story. And um, we're super excited about this first event that we're doing in January. So we hope you can join us for that. Guys, thanks for joining me. Have a great weekend and um, we'll see y'all next Tuesday. If you like what you heard today, hit the like button just below. Then come back by subscribing to our podcast channel. For more resources on relational spirituality, go to our website at largerstory.com.